Good morning, everyone. Today we'll be writing the DT sharing for Wednesday as we cover Ephesians 4. I'd like to cover just a few aspects for today, the role of leaders in the church, the call to maturity for all believers, as well as the difficult task of speaking and receiving the truth in love. Looking at verse 11, we see that God gives the church different things. There, there's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, as well as the shepherds and teachers. Now, some of these offices we are pretty familiar with, but some of them are a little bit different. I want to get into it just a little bit, not too much. If you would like to read more, highly recommend just reading some commentary on this. For the apostles, these include the original 12, those who were with Jesus, as well as Paul, those who were appointed by Jesus, as well as others who were recognized by others as apostles based on their giftings. And this includes people possibly like Titus or Timothy and Silas. We take a look at the prophets. These are the people who provided edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we get that list from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. And as well as the evangelists, those who are engaged in the spreading of the gospel, as well as people that we're more familiar with, pastors, the shepherds, and the teachers, those who are given over to teaching God's word. So what is the role of these leaders? So now that we know the different types of leaders, what's the role? And in verse 12, we see the role is twofold. First one is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then the second one is for building up the, ch the church, building up the body of Christ. So then what does that look like? To build up the body of Christ, I think this entails several things. It's that the members be unified in the faith and that we as a church would ultimately be made mature. So looking at the first part, what does it mean to equip? And one commentary notes this is that Paul's use of the word equip here is actually pretty interesting because it's a word, the word equip is actually a word that was commonly used in things like surgery in order to set a broken limb back into place. It's also used in the New Testament oftentimes to refer to discipline, such as you get an offending member of the church to repent and to come back into church to do what he's supposed to do into the right fellowship. The basic idea really is to put a thing into a condition in which it was ought to have been in the first place. This is the way you're supposed to be, and to equip is to bring you back into that position. That's a pretty interesting way to think about equipping, because I think when we think about equipping, oftentimes we're thinking about things like training up, providing guidance, etc. But it's actually more involved than that. It's to course correct. It's to exhort, to point out problems, and to get us working right again. And as I think about this idea, if we're called to engage in fruitful ministry, it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, then in order to equip us, in order for us to be fruitful, in order for us to be doing what we're called to do, the leader's role is going to be pretty involved. Like pruning a tree in order to increase its productivity. Equipping means things like that. And then again, what does it mean to build up the body of Christ? It says here that the members should have perfect unity. And of course, that means that there shouldn't be quarreling and squabbles which divide, but agreement among the members of the church. What's the end goal? Is that we would become mature, as verse 13 states, that we would attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the church is trying to produce men and women who are perfectly reflecting Jesus Christ himself. And I think if you think about that, that is a pretty tall order. So how are they supposed to be able to do that? One really big theme in today's text is maturity. You see this again and again. Paul exhorts the Ephesians to grow into mature manhood, to no longer be children, and to grow up in every way into Christ. 
there seems to be a very clear call to maturity. And here we see Apostle Paul, he contrasts maturity with being like that of a child. He describes an immature Christian as children who are tossed to and fro, easily shaken by different doctrines and people's schemes and craftiness, unanchored in their knowledge of Christ. When we see this picture, we recognize this is the kind of picture of immaturity. But then how does maturity happen? I think it's kind of wrong to think that maturity will just happen naturally. I think it's not that it's necessarily wrong, it's just that it actually takes a lot more than that. And if you just simply allow the natural state of things to be, maturity will take a long time. When I look at my own personal life and what has caused me to mature the most or the fastest, I definitely think it has a little bit less to do with my own personal initiative and drive, which is not to say that we don't need personal initiative and drive, that's really important. It's a lot more to do with the fact that the other factors, like the church, the structure and accountability of things that were given to me, things like doing my DT daily, having times of prayer, like we're supposed to be praying every night at 10 p.m. from 10 to 10.30, having those times and subjecting myself, quote unquote, to that schedule that have really allowed me to grow. When I think about how I've matured and to have a better understanding of myself, it has a lot to do with the fact that I've taken time out to read and to reflect, to write down my thoughts, to think about my motivations, to go on prayer retreats, to go and take time of studying things like God's word and trying to apply it into my heart when a, when a certain situation arose that revealed some aspect of myself. As I've allowed people to speak God's word into my life, I've matured. So maturity actually requires humility, subjecting myself to the daily rhythms that I'm, I'm adhering to, allowing people to speak into my life. And that really is the key ingredient, like I just mentioned. It is humility, being open to that feedback, open to instruction. You know, over the years, as I've looked at different people grow and mature, I realized that the one factor that determines how much they're going to mature, how much they're going to be able to take on more and more responsibility, is more to do with their humility and their openness to feedback and submission to the truth as it is to do with their personal talents and giftings. One area that we can all grow in then in order to become more mature is how humble we are so that we can attain to that unity of faith. Finally, I want to look at verse 15, this idea of speaking the truth in love. You know, the process by which we're going to grow to become mature oftentimes comes via someone speaking the truth to us in love. Now let's break it down a little bit. I love the color quote that they talk about here. Uh, there has to be both truth and love, not one or the other. Truth without love is harsh and critical when we just point out another person's character flaws and issues and mistakes. And when you don't do that out of love for the other person, when you don't consider how you're saying it, the tone by which you're saying it, the way in which you're saying it, then it really has the ability to tear down the other person. And it can be very discouraging to constantly berate somebody or to keep pointing out truth because it is true, but doing it without love can do unto the other person and create frustration and anger. And I really think that that's something that we all have to work on. I know myself, this is a huge area for me in that being able to speak the truth, but doing so in love so that the other person can know that it's out of love. It's because I love you. It's because I want you to grow and mature. But then there's the opposite side where you can be someone that speaks only love without truth. And this looks a lot like affirmation and kind words and doing a lot of nice things. And it's really interesting because you would think that this is a, a true sign of love, but actually it's not. Because someone who never brings up anything negative or shies away from confrontation, 
it, it seems like that's so loving and so nice, but but actually it's it's the opposite. It's unloving and self-preserving. Because the person who refuses to speak this type of truth really cares more about his own or her own emotional stability than the other person's growth and maturity. In the end, it's a true disservice to that person if you never really bring in truth. So as we mature and become you know, leaders, we have to continue to really be someone who speaks both truth and love at the same time. It's not easy, of course, but that is the, the task that God is calling us to. Hope you guys have a good day.